You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. Hi, friends. Oh, today is so cool. We are talking about the Akashic Records. I don't know if I've ever really gotten into this at all on the show. I have had my Akashic Records opened couple times now by today's guest, the incredible Vanessa Lambert. She is uh, such a little angel being such a tiny little nugget who I just absolutely love and adore. Um, Connor and I are friends with her and her husband, Adam, and they're just the best. They're such incredible examples of what's possible. Um, we talk a little shit on our men before we get into all the spiritual shit. <laughs> Because sometimes you just got to do that. Um, This is a really cool episode. We are going deep into um, a reading for our community, our listeners. So if anything resonates with you, please let us know. Um, But we're really talking about the different experiences within Akashic Records, uh, Reiki, healings in general, and how we can utilize all of these different modalities to really ignite our souls and get really clear and really true within ourselves and our experiences. And the coolest thing about this with Vanessa is that Vanessa is now teaching the teachers. So she's not just working one-on-one with people doing their readings. She is teaching people who want to work with their own clients, how to work with the Akashic records. And so she's been doing this for 20 something years utilizing tons of different modalities. And now she's come up with her practice that she is going to be sharing. So if you are interested in working with Vanessa, learning how to read Akashic records and work with clients in that capacity, I highly recommend it. She is starting it in about a week, I think. Um, The link is in the show notes. I talked about it in the episode that I was going to be participating and full transparency. I can't participate this round because we already have a bunch of trips planned. Um, but I will be participating, um, the next round when she offers it. I'm so excited to add this to my tool belt. I think it's incredible. I've had the best experiences with her. And if there's anyone I'm going to learn from, it is definitely going to be Vanessa. So all the links to everything to contact Vanessa get involved, learn all the things are in the show notes. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. It is so incredible, so fun, and you will just feel her goddess energy big time. All right, let's get to it. Oh, my girl. So happy to have you back. Thank God. We need to do this. Like, can we just do a weekly podcast? <laughs> I know. I'm like, do we need to start our own podcast? Is, um, that, what, is that what's okay. happening? That's definitely a conversation that needs to be had. Um, we were just having a really interesting conversation and I said, we have to push record. So we were talking about relationships and it just feels like when you have two conscious people, it's just a whole other ball game because the conversations that are had, the awarenesses that are there, the willingness to go deep, the back and forth and um, like personal excavation and then excavation of the relationship is just, it, it just feels so much more powerful and in such a different way. And I know that you and Adam have experienced that as well. So what are you seeing now in this world and this landscape that we're living in, in relationship and how that kind of plays out? 
Well, I think kind of what we were just talking about, it's so crazy that we have to almost reinvent every step of the way as in partnership now. And it used to be that there was kind of defined roles. There was sort of these defined boundaries. There was all these things that were kind of clear cut, especially, you know, even gender roles are fluid now. Like there's so much fluidity in it that I just think it takes a lot more energy. It takes a lot more RAM to be creating as you go, rather than just kind of following a path that was laid before you. And it's interesting because, you know, Adam and I have got, we've been together for 20 years, right? Yeah. So yeah, 20 years, I think, or we'll be 21 this year. So it's like, we've taken all the detours. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We've gotten off all the on-ramps, like, (laughs) like all of them, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think at this point, the funny thing is we've almost circled back to a little bit of more normalcy, a little bit more normal, quote unquote, normal, like gender roles, um, sort of defined uh, relationship roles. It's kind of come full circle in a way. And a lot of that has to do with just the energetic output. It's like, oh my gosh, we could spend all of our time talking about every single emotion that arises because of everything that we're trying to do in our relationship and all the boundaries we're trying to push. Or maybe at this point in our lives, because we've been together 21 years, it's time for us to just more kind of shore up our relationship roles and focus more on outer goals or things that are more important to us than trying to define our relationship boundaries. You know what I'm saying? So it's just one of those things where I think it's really funny to have watched the whole like full circle. And now we're back to kind of where we started. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Well, I mean, it's true, right? Like when you start, you're in the honeymoon phase, you don't think about shit except for sex. And then you get into (laughs) self-exploration after a couple of years and you're like, okay, well, what do I really want? And how do we, you know, drive together and what aligns and what's maybe not really working. And then let's figure that out. And it's just like the, all these different chapters of your relationship. And we, I was actually talking to my therapist about this yesterday. I've never made it past two years in a relationship. And Ooh. Connor in his adult life hasn't either. He likes to hold on to his four-year relationship with his girlfriend in, in high school. And I'm like, honey, that doesn't <laughs> fucking count. Okay. So yeah. let's just be real. Um, <laughs> but we've never made it past two years and our two-year anniversary is in a couple of weeks. And I started really thinking about that. And I'm like, whoa, like, should I find something to freak out about right now and try and break up with him? Because this is kind of what I do okay, shit, I'm happier than I've ever been. Like, what do I do with that? There's nothing really wrong. So now what? Right. I'm just in this territory I've never been in before. And she was just saying that we're just entering a new phase of relationship. And this is a place that neither of us have ever been. And I hadn't thought about that. I'm like, oh, right. Because I always end it before I get to this point. And now Mm -hmm. I'm here. And now I'm like, huh, what do I do with this? Our relationship is definitely changing. And we're dating someone together and that brings in a whole other slew of things. And we're really figuring out like what it is that we're offering the world and how we're showing up and our roles together. I make more money than he does. And I do a lot more of the like caretaking than him, but he has like such an important role in the playfulness and the adventure. And like, we just have these different, um, types of offerings in our relationship. And so it's, you're just constantly like figuring it out and going to the next stage and like, okay, we're here now what do we do with this? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And you realize like, as you go, 
that at some point, everything is a big leap of faith. Like there's never going to be the perfect scenario where everything's all worked out and you know that this partnership is the partnership and it's the one that can be perfect forever. Because really, you know, it's going to be the one that's imperfect. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then you just decide that this is the imperfect one that you want to give a go at, that you want to commit to and go the distance with. And I think this is actually a mistake that sometimes people make if they're interested in getting married if that's something that is in your, you know, soul's compass is waiting too long because the longer you wait and the more complicated it gets, it's almost like you lose the courage to take that step. And so I always think that if marriage is something you want to do, there's all this dogma around waiting and making sure that you're super compatible and you're all the things by a year or two, you kind of have some good base structure around your relationship and whether or not you're compatible on like a higher cosmic level. At some point you have to leap because it really is like, you can't just hold on to this idea that something's going to be perfectly curated that you can just walk into at year four or five or six. At some point it is just a leap of faith. Yeah. And it's interesting you say that I hadn't thought about it in that way. I feel like Connor and I are perfectly compatible in a cosmic way. And when it gets into our 3D, that's where shit gets fucked because Mm -hmm. we're both in our egos. We both operate so differently and drive each other crazy because of it. And so it's a it is constantly asking of both of us to let go of expectation, let go of how we want it to be. And it must be this way and finding our way together in that. And that is where it gets hard. I have no question. Like, when I do mushrooms or ayahuasca or I really sit and I listen, it's like, he's your dude. Stop fucking like freaking out about it. But when I get into my human, it's, well, he doesn't do it like this. And why doesn't he process like this? And why, do, why isn't he more emotional and all of these things? And it's really asking me to shed all of these things so that I can get very clear that, okay, this is your person. And yes, it's always going to be imperfect because you annoy him and he annoys you. And this is what relationships are. And you choose each other every single day to be the one and you figure it out. You just fucking figure it out. You do. And you, I think you choose your partners because they reflect the biggest pieces of yourself that need to be processed. And so the things that light you up the most about him are the things that like really are about you. They're about your process and about really you shedding your stuff, especially when it's female and male. Cause let's face it, like males are they're like, they're just more simple generally. Like they say usually what they think and like, they mean what they say and all the things. So, you know, generally it's actually a lot more straightforward, but we want them to like be complicated and (laughs) be more emotional and all these things. And they're like, but I'm a dude, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. stop trying to make me into He's like, I literally (laughs) have not thought about that in three days. And I'm over here. I can't stop thinking about it for a week. He's like, what? Like, I don't even understand what you're talking. Wait, that happened. And I'm like, fuck you. Exactly. (laughs) So true. But it's like, it's perfect because when you are a strong female presence, you need even more like that stronger masculine presence to be able to hold the space. Cause we talked about this before, otherwise you'll just roll over on them and they can't hold it, you know? And so really you, you, even though like we might want, and Adam and Connor are very similar, like they're very masculine. They're very manly. It's like, they're very weighted in their presence. Like, you know, there's a lot of, of, of that, you know, just raw material of masculinity. And sometimes you're like, but I want you to be more emotional. And then I'm like, no, I would just literally push you over if you were 
any, any less strong than you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And you know, what's been interesting. I hadn't really thought about this yesterday uh, until yesterday with my therapist is I realized that the emotion that I was asking Connor for or the level of spirituality or that type of conversation or connection, that's just not where he is right now. And we're deeply connected, but we don't really converse about it because he's, you know, in the political rabbit hole and that's what's lighting him up right now. And that's amazing. But I do feel like there is part of me that was sort of missing that. And I realized that in dating this person, she and I have that connection. And so it's really interesting to see the way she fills me up in that way and that I'm not asking Connor to be my everything. And it's Mm -hmm. not even that she's someone that we're, you know, sexually engaging with. It's like having a girlfriend, like I could call you and have a conversation with you. I would never have with Connor. And then it takes the pressure off him being my everything. And I hadn't thought about how much I was being filled up in such a beautiful way in that aspect of the relationship. Um, And so it's just, it's again, a part of that chapter and that changing and evolution of okay, well, that's not something that we're doing right now. And I seek it elsewhere. And it feels really good and nourishing uh, mm-hmm. to add that dynamic in. Yeah. Well, and this is something you can really see that the pressure on relationships again is so high because we are expected to be each other's everything. And when we lived in more tribal communities, we didn't expect our partners to fill every niche of our emotional needs or even just our physical needs or any, you know, there was all of these people that gave input and gave energy. And I think as we've become more isolated, especially as families live further and further apart, and we're just more nuclear in our homes, we just, we expect so much from our partners. Yeah. It's unfair. And I realize that I'm asking less and it's actually really nice because it's just not something he wants to do. Just like, I don't want to go talk about politics all day. So he has his dudes that he does that with and it feels great. I'm like, great. Everyone wins. This is beautiful. (laughs) There's somebody for everybody. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something I've been practicing actually this year is like when I have the thought of a way that I wish Adam was being instead, or like, I want him to do this, or I want like, for instance, the bed, (laughs) this is a perfect example. I make the bed every single day and probably like three out of seven days, I get annoyed that I'm the one that always makes the bed. Yes. (laughs) And I just made this decision this year. I was like, okay, Adam might make the bed like once every two weeks. And instead of being like, oh, wow, that's such a nice surprise. He made the bed. You know, most of the time I'm focusing on how he didn't make the bed every day. And I'm like, why not just shift your focus to, wow, every once in a while he makes it. And it's so cool because I get a break from it, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's like, it's a, it's a shift that completely changed the energetics of how I feel about him every single morning. (laughs) It's true. I, again, in therapy talked about this exact thing. I found myself nitpicking all of the things that were annoying me and forgetting all of the amazing stuff. And I kept wondering, same thing. Why is there a pile of clothes on the bed? Why isn't the bed made? Why didn't you vacuum? Why can't you take the trash out? And my therapist was like, Kelly, you two have completely different operating systems. He just doesn't even think about it. It doesn't matter to him. It's not a priority to him. It's a huge priority to you. It's something you need to take care of for yourself and don't even worry about it. And so I got to that point. And funny enough, yesterday, homie did all the things around the house. He (laughs) did the bed, did the laundry. He made me dinner. We had fucking epic sex. He even took a bath with me. And I was like, if you just let go and stop being so nitpicky on all the things, watch what can happen. Like nobody yes. wants to be in a relationship where you're like, well, why didn't you do this? And why didn't you do that? And you know, like 
those little um, like digs that you just kind of fit into conversation. I'm yep. really good at that. <laughs> and it's, it's so unnecessary. If you let those things go, look at all the amazing things that you could focus on. And that's what a relationship is. I don't want him nitpicking all the annoying shit I do. Yeah, no, it's true. And it really <laughs> comes down to this kind of orc field, this energetic imprint we hold around ourselves. And even if we're not vocalizing a nitpicking energy or, or sentence, they still feel it. So like when you actually change your auric field or your energetic expression, then your reality shows up to match that. So yes. it's like the biggest lesson out of all of this is that you really are responsible for creating your reality mm -hmm. and you have to take complete ownership for it. There's nobody in your life who's going to make you happy, make you complete, make you feel good about how your day went you have to own that energetic imprint every moment. Mm, I love that. That brings me to what I really am excited to talk to you about in this episode, aside from our annoying partners. Um, <laughs> love you, Connor and Adam. We had to get it out. Right? <laughs> yeah, we did. It's like, let's girl gap for 10 minutes first. Yeah. You know, the thing I love about you and that I am so always awestruck by and just so amazed by is the way you are so open to whatever is coming through you and you really do hold that space as the channel for anything, whether it's a healing modality or showing up in friendship or in relationship or whatever the next step is for you to take and you lean into that trust and you go with it. And mm -hmm. it's so cool to see you now utilizing so many different things to work with clients, to change your own life, to open yourself further, to be more connected. Um, we had you on the show a couple months ago and we talked about your alien abduction and being a star seed and all of those things. And now you've really, and you've done this for me before in private, but you're really leaning into, uh, reading Akashic records and now training other people how to do that and using it as a modality. So you talk about this auric field and really being that channel. So I would love for you to share, however, in whatever way you want, how this has come through you and what you're, you're doing with it. Mm, yeah. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. I love you. I just appreciate your support and just the radiant body that you project at me is like, oh, <laughs> it's like a warm blanket. Oh, good. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. So we were talking about this before we um, clicked record and I started doing Reiki when I was 16 and I'm 42 now. So there's what, 20 plus years um, of, of really working in energetics, you know, just being tuned into that we have an ability to heal. We have an ability to project our energy. We have an ability to be in a consciousness other than just this reality. And, um, and then when I was in my late twenties, early thirties, I did a year long internship and in kind of the Berkeley Psychic Institute method and that just kind of opened me up to all the clairvoyance and all, all the clairs, if you will, <laughs> clairsentience and all the, the different ways that we can intuit information. And so I started working in the Akashic Records then, which was a little over um, 10 years ago now, or maybe I actually can't remember exactly when I did that school, but I think it's around the 10 year mark. Um, and I got introduced to the Akashic field and it just kind of was like this amazing um it was this amazing amazing opening of intelligence that like i didn't even realize was out there and a lot of people maybe even right now you're hearing this term akashic field and you're like what is that um and i think the best ex explanation i ever heard was that it's like the spiritual google so like it's literally this realm of information about your soul 
um, about your past, your present, your future. It's really kind of this holding of information around all things at all time. And the way that you can work with that is that with clients, you can actually open up their records, open up their specific sort of thread of information. And you can see how the energy is currently held for them. So you can see, you know, if there's a lot of energetics towards a certain outcome or bringing in a certain partnership or how it feels around a business idea. Um, And you can kind of open this bank of knowledge that gives you a deeper wisdom and and a higher access point to perhaps bring in in your decision making and also to give you this great sort of energetic healing and um, sort of a flushing, if you will, of whatever's going on in your life. So it's really one of the most powerful modalities that I, you know, have had the the privilege of working in. And, and, and then last year, it really came on strong to start working with clients. I gave you a reading. I really wanted to help people access this information and kind of guide them through it. And then the cool thing about the Akashic Records is at some point, it will give you your own prayer if you're meant to teach it. So I got my own prayer this last year. And so it gave me kind of permission, if you will, to start teaching it. And so it was just like such a cool thing because I had been trained and I had my teacher's prayer and then they were like, okay, that's enough. It's time for your prayer. So I was really excited to get that. And um, over the last probably five or six months, I've really been pulling in what it'll look like for me to teach it. Because, you know, obviously it's coming to me in a certain way and the energetics are sort of uh, being broadcast in a specificity that's for my stream of consciousness and for the way that I can teach it in the best way that will help um, teachers that, you know, come after me. So it's just a really exciting time to be paying forward. You know, I've been a coach and I've been working with people for a long time, but this is the first time that I'll be teaching someone specifically to do what I do. And it's really, really exciting. I love that. Just soaking Mm -hmm. up all of your wisdom to help more people. Well, and that's the thing, right? Is when you have someone powerful like you, you can only do so much one-on-one. You can only help so many of your own clients. In order for that to grow and for you to reach vast numbers of people, you have to teach the teachers. It's so important. Yeah. And that's exactly how it came through. It was just like, you've been at this for over 20 years. Like you've been building your medicine bag. And I have, I don't know if you can relate to this, but it's like, I love trainings. I love learning from people. I'm just like, let's add to it. And they're like, enough's enough. Mm. It's time to turn, you know, the page and time to broadcast out all of this stuff that you've been training for so long. And that's just like, Uh, you know, it's just kind of a beautiful gift. And it's also a beautiful gift of age because, you know, as you're aging, you're like, oh, now I'm 42. Like, whoa, where did the time go? But then I'm like, oh, okay. I'm in this phase now where it's time to powerfully project to the next generation, to the women healers. And this, I'm really focused specifically on women. Um, For me, it's really come through that that's, that's kind of my domain right now. And so it's these star seeds, it's these medicine women that are coming up behind me that it's time to really say, okay, I'm here to, to help and to pull up the next generation. Mm. Well, you hold such a powerful container just in being who you are when, even if you're not teaching or healing or anything, just in the way you show up. And so it's so beautiful that you're at a place in your life where you've been through so much, you've had so many experiences, and now you're ready to just continue to grow that space. 
and also show women what's possible. I think that's one of the most powerful things that we can do is to show someone else what is possible because you don't know until you know, until someone shows you or says to you, hey, this is a thing. How are you supposed to know that that's even around? And I think that's what you do and you do it so beautifully and so relatably. It's not this I'm up in the clouds, ethereal, like can't even understand what being a human is. You're one of those bridges <laughs> that really helps make it all make sense. Mm, I appreciate that. Well, I really like to bring a lot of laughter into it and a lot of comedy because it's funny, right? Mm -hmm. This whole human experience, we cannot get too esoteric and too, like you said, out in the clouds that people are like, you lost me, bro. Like (laughs) this hippy dippy shit is just too far. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And so I think it's important to kind of keep like roots in the ground and keep it in a place where people can just have fun with it too. But we are entering, I mean, we're in this period of change cosmically. We're going from this Piscean era, which is much more masculine, um, much more sort of sensical and um, analytical to this more, you know, open feeling, uh, trust sort of, um, it's like, it's, and it's not masculine, it's not feminine. It's actually a really beautiful combination of the two. And so I think we're in this really beautiful time where these tools, like reading the Akashic Records, um, you know, in the training, there'll actually be a lot of Kundalini yoga because I really believe in the energetic imprint that that creates in your life. It's all of these things that we need to start utilizing as humans to move into this new energetic space that we as a consciousness and we are even just astrologically moving into. So it's, it's a really cool time to be like, okay, I I've done the training, like the hardcore trainings. It's like, God, you have the building blocks and now it's time to kind of decorate your, your own internal landscape with these other esoteric sort of branches, if you will. Mm, I love that. When you talk about Akashic Records, this still it's still very new to me. So yeah, for me, it feels like you're accessing past lives. So how does an Akashic Record reading and a past life regression differ? So, you know, the Akashic Records, I think the important thing to think about with the Akashic Records is that we're kind of moving out of 3D. So we're moving out of linear time and you're kind of going into a holding tank of all energy. And so in a past life regression, you're kind of picking a, you're picking a certain point and you're following the line back, right? This is like all possibility of all energetics that are in the compass of your soul's journey. So we're not just looking at one thread. We're looking at sort of the whole, the entire holdings of energy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Yeah. And so we kind of have to step away a little bit from linear thinking and kind of get into energetic embodiment. So like the way I read and the way it occurs to me is the energy comes through in all of my senses. So maybe I'll have a certain imprint or um, or sort of visualization that comes in and then I'll have a feeling about it. And then I might even hear something and the combination of all of those senses for me will help me to intuit how to speak about whatever that thing that's coming through. And so a good example is babies love to come through to me. Like is if, if I start thinking about you, it's probably because they're your, their souls out there that want to like get in touch with you. And so they're like, Hey, you, I, I know you can hear me oh my go get my mom and talk to her. 
Um, and so, you know, soul, soul contracts and baby spirit babies really like to come through and kind of access into conversation with their potential parents. And that comes through to me a lot. Um, I'll get, so yesterday I was doing a reading with a client and we were talking about something and I said, yeah, but I can't help but just feel exhausted talking to you right now. Like I, I feel so fatigued and I was like, you know, you want to talk about X, Y, and Z over here, but the feeling that is coming over me is like a blanket of heaviness that is just so exhausted. And she kind of got quiet for a moment and she was like, it's, I'm, I'm just so exhausted. I'm so tired. And I was like, so this is where we need to go. So this is the thing about it is that it's a holding tank of information and whatever's coming forward is the thing that's most important for your soul at that time. And so even if people are coming for something specific, they might end up getting this whole other imprint that comes forward that's more important and that will inevitably have an effect on whatever it is that we're they're trying to create or get coaching or guidance around, but it comes through in a way that you wouldn't expect. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. How do you yeah. separate your, your human ego analytic brain from the whatever is coming through and being channeled through in the Akashic records or, I mean, any modality of that kind? No, it's a really good question, actually. And it's something that um, I really want to help teachers understand because it's really easy to put yourself in the line of what's coming through. And it's one of the most important things is that you as a reader do not affect or imprint your own stuff into the stream. And so if ever I feel like my stuff's getting in the way, I stop, I re-ask the question and I wait until it's a hundred percent clear that it's not coming from me and it's coming directly from the Akashic records, especially if it's something that I have strong feelings about, or I have my own emotional body about, I make sure to take the time to really separate myself out. And I think that that's a really important part of the training is that you have to be a conduit. You have to be a channel and you don't put yourself in the line of someone else's soul's path. Um, so let's just pause this for a second to talk about how I'm nourishing myself in the fucking snowstorm that is about to hit Denver. Holy crap. You know, when they tell you it's going to be anywhere from 14 to 30 inches that you better gird your loins. <laughs> and that is exactly what I am doing. Um, so one way that I take care of myself when it's cold outside or hot outside, let's be serious. But when it's cold outside, I love my Organifi. And now that chocolate gold has moved to seasonal, I have been really playing with Harmony, which is another cacao based uh, superfood mix that they have. And it's for it's forecast, you guys. It's forecast. It is focused on your hormones uh, and balancing um, your hormones and your cycle and helping with PMS and cramping and all that good stuff that happens once a month for us lovely ladies. So I absolutely love Harmony. I make it the same actually that I made the chocolate gold. It has a different cacao taste, which I love because it's something different than what I've been obsessed with for months. Um, and I love using it at night. It's, I'm actually going to go make one right now after I'm done recording this because it's just so yummy and thick and creamy and delicious. So if you throw coconut butter in there and whip it all up, oh, it just tastes so good. So I highly recommend getting in on Harmony. If you go to Organifi.com, 
That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com. Use the code Kelly T. You will get 20% off your order. The other thing that I need to tell you about, because I was on a plane today and I'm dehydrated as fuck element. We need electrolytes. I need to replenish. I am dehydrated. I have been traveling. I'm coming back to altitude, which kicks my ass every time, even if it's for just a day. I'm like, (gasps) I can't breathe. (laughs) It's pathetic. But that's why I love Element, because I know that I'm going to get an intense hit of electrolytes, um, whether I'm fasting or sweating or curbing carb cravings, which definitely increase for me when I'm traveling and I'm tired. I know that coming home and having an Element immediately is going to help so much. And it's going to help me recover and get back in my groove and not be feeling like shit for multiple days after being on a plane. So love element. I have been all up in the citrus lately and you just literally put it in water and shake and you're on your way. So if you'd like to try element, you can go to drink element. That's drink slash Kelly T. You will get an eight pack sampler of element for the price of just shipping. So if you're in the U.S., it's five bucks. Love it. Citrus, raspberry, habanero, even the chocolate salt, if you make it hot, is really good. We love all the flavors. So head over to drinkelement.com. Use my code five bucks and you'll get to try a bunch of different flavors. All right. Time for my hydration. Let's get back to this. I'm having a hard time lately because it seems like everyone and their grandmother is a channel now mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. is doing some sort of healing. And that's, I'm so picky. I don't work with anyone. Like mm-hmm. I, I have my people and that's it. No one knew. I'm just very much in my lane because those yeah. are the people I trust and I've had great experiences, etc. But what I see is that there's people going out there and saying, well, I have this ability and let me show you. And Mm -hmm. you're working with people who don't have high levels of discernment. And so there's a lot of like manipulation and getting taken advantage of because someone says to you, well, I, I am a psychic medium and let me do this for you. And then says this whole thing. And who knows if that's accurate Mm -hmm. because we don't, how do we know to trust them? So how have you been able to hone those skills to know you are in integrity with yourself and your work and that you are a clear channel? Um, and you kind of mentioned it now, but I, I just feel like this is such an important conversation that not enough people are discussing. Yeah, no, this is this is awesome. So the first thing I want to say is that there's a really important polarity to identify here. And the polarity exists in the fact that we actually all are channels. We all do have this ability. We all are realizing and coming kind of online to the fact that all of us are intuitive beings. This kind of like psychic stuff is not really just for a certain sect of people. It is actually innately for all of us. If we want to bring it in and we want to work with it. However, in that polarity, which is this beautiful, bright, you know, compass of, wow, we're all these, you know, we're all God's children, like with these divine dimensions within us, but the polarity of that, and we live in a polarity planet. So that's the thing to really realize right now is that with the light is the dark. And we have that in ourselves. We have that in our earth experience. We have that all around us. And so we have to just acknowledge that within our own brightness is our own darkness and our own tendency to want to put in our own, our own stuff, um, imprint our own sort of vision and what's going on for us intrinsically. And so 
you just have to be very aware of that and you have to be very conscious of that. And this is why it's so important for each of us to build our energetic body, to strengthen our auric field so that we can be a buffer for the things that are not of that highest, higher consciousness. Mm -hmm. If that exists in our own auric body, then we attract it and it comes in and it has a resonance for us. So more importantly than kind of being discerning about the specific person, I say the better thing is to be discerning about your own orc imprint and strengthen it, strengthen it, strengthen it, strengthen it every day so that you have a bigger field of consciousness and you have a bigger buffer from anything that would want to come in that isn't of the highest frequency. Mm, I love that explanation. No one has said it that way. That is so fucking good. Well, and it gives you domain, right? Yeah. So now instead of feeling like, oh, shoot, am I going to be victim to someone's stuff trying to come in at me? You can say no, because I'm building my auric body in my energetic field. That stuff just doesn't even have a resonance in it's not permeable in my in my being in my presence. So you just don't have to worry about it as much, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's perfect. It's taking responsibility over your own experience and knowing that you have that sort of protection and those boundaries. And I love that. That's yeah, that's a much more powerful way of looking at it. Yeah. And this is why I love Kundalini yoga. Um, I've spent I started doing Kundalini yoga about seven years ago but quite honestly was not prepared to teach it until this year because it's such a powerful modality. And this is like one of those things where you have to have major respect for it because it is like, it, it's the yoga of, of super high frequency and the things it can create are so powerful that I think it takes a lot of respect. And so it took me seven years and now um, three teacher trainings to feel like, okay, I embody this enough to feel like I'm, I can project it forward. And this is what I think is super important for building this auric field or this energetic body is things like Kundalini that just make you you know, uh, unpenetrable, if you will. And, and all of the things that you're worried about just aren't even on your, on your thought platform. It's just not, it doesn't exist for you anymore. So I would love for you to explain why Kundalini is so powerful because I've had one experience in LA and I hated it mm -hmm. and I know I was not ready for it. So yeah. I would like to definitely add that in. I don't have anything yeah. against it, but I was so not ready for that experience. We were doing like jumping jacks and the breathing and everyone was in white clothes. And I was like, get me the fuck out of here. Like, this is yeah. not where I want to be. But I know totally. it's so powerful. And I know people like you have just epic experiences with it. So what is it that makes it so profound? Yeah, no. And I totally get that. I had a love hate <laughs> relationship with it for, uh, for many years. And I would go for a period of time and then I'd have a class and I'd be like, ah, I hate this stuff. It's so annoying. <laughs> so one of the things that I've through the training and kind of really understanding how to navigate the compass of the Kundalini world, uh, there's a thing that is really important to be in awareness of, and that's the lineage of it. So it's coming from, you know, it's not a, Okay, so this is what's really cool about Kundalini is that a lot of it came from the Akashic field. So this kind of Akashic records thing ties in beautifully. And I think it's why both of those things are in harmony in my spirit, because they they really synchronize in terms of the technology. And so there were master teachers who downloaded this technology from the Akashic field. You know, it was given to them from this higher dimension. Mm. And so these 
teachers have passed it down through a very specific lineage. And as you pass it down through the lineage, it's held in an auric field or in an energetic body that's very powerful. And each generation holds the technology and imprints it with you know, their new sort of um, embodiment and it makes it more and more powerful as it comes down the lineage. So there are certain sects of Kundalini that have broken off from the original lineage. And there's a whole very strange kind of sort of battling in the Kundalini world about breaking off from the original origin. And so that I think is where a lot of people are having very strange experiences of it. And so the lineage that I come through, the training that I come through goes back to the originals. Nobody's broken off. No one has created their own sect or taken it off into their own realm and tried to imprint it in their own way and, and detach from the original lineage. And this whole idea of lineage was like such a mind blowing thing to me. And I think this speaks back to what you were talking about, about everybody being a channeler, everybody being this, is that when you're not coming from a strong lineage or a strong teacher sect, you're just holding your own auric field around it. And sometimes that's not strong enough to really hold that many people in it. Mm. And so people might not have a good experience of it because you're not actually strong enough to hold it all. So coming from this lineage actually gives you the strength of the masters that came before you. And I think that that's really important in this Kundalini experience is that you have to almost know where your teachers, what lineage they're in. And if they're holding the, the imprint of this experience well enough. Mm. That's really good, though, because I think that that is about asking questions and not just blindly trusting and just going into a thing and really allowing your body to tell you, is this for me? Does this feel aligned? Does this feel powerful um, in a way that I am open to it? All of those things, because I think if you told me to do something, I mean, I'm going to do this training with you. I would do anything you said because I trust you. I know the container you hold. I know the work that you've done. So it's really a no brainer for me. My body is like a full yes to anything you've ever said. And I've worked with you in that capacity as well. Yes, you are everything. Um, but I also have people where my body is like, yeah, that's a hard no for me. <laughs> that's a no for me. <laughs> yes. And that's it. That's the most important thing. And I think that's what this training for me is all about is to help people calibrate that even to an even more powerful degree so that everything you're doing in your life is coming from such a divine presence that in a way you, the person like Kelly, you know, you, you become almost a smaller part of it. You're connected so deeply to the powers that are even more powerful and even more held for you that now it's like, it's easier for you to tell what's a yes and what's a no, because you're connected to that divine creation so powerfully. Yes. So good. So when you're doing Kundalini in terms of movement and breath, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, there's, there's kind of a couple of different things that are included in a, in a Kriya. And that's kind of what they call a yogic set is a Kriya. And so you have the actual yoga, the movement, you have the pranayam, which is the breath. Um, and you have a mantra and mantras may be some of my favorite because, you know, there are these divine frequencies of sound that just change you change your um, reality and change 
the energetic field around you. And so I have all these mantra boxes all over my house. They're these little tiny speakers that are playing different mantras and they're literally emitting high frequency sound into the space. And, and I think that this is one of the coolest parts of, of this yogic science is that so much of it is around sound. And we kind of like sound is just one of those things that we don't really realize how powerful it is. It's like we know when we hear something that maybe isn't, um, you know, we hear a scream or we hear something that is infused with a frequency of fear that it hits us in a way. But we don't actually think about purposely filling our environment with high level frequency of sound. And so mantra is one of the I think one of the most powerful things in yoga is is really just giving yourself high frequency divine sound all the time. Mm, That's beautiful. So cool, right? Yeah, that is so cool. Well, yeah, because music is so powerful. So why wouldn't mantras be able to move us in the same way? It's just something that I don't think we have had access to in the Western world the way we do, you know, regular playlists on Spotify. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that's actually one of the first things I try to get everybody on is the mantra boxes. And like, you just need high frequency running to your house all the time. (laughs) Wait, so are these like little boxes you buy and they all have their own... Yeah. So they're little tiny speakers and they all have their own USB stick and you just tune them with a specific mantra. And so depending on what you're working on, there's certain mantras that are infused with that kind of energetic body and you can put them in different places in your house. And so for instance, um, on the Jupiter line in my house, like astrologically, the Jupiter line, I have my big citrine crystal ball. And um, I have a specific mantra that's for abundance. And those sit on the Jupiter line, which is particularly for creating abundance and bringing in wealth, bringing in success. And so you can like, you can grid your house with these things. And I'm telling you, this stuff is, it's so funny to me because it sounds so crazy, but it just works. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, I have to put my, you know, Wahe Guru on my Jupiter line with my crystal ball. I'm like, wait, who are you right now? It's so normal hearing you talk about it. I feel like if I said those things, my girls would laugh at me and be like, oh, there goes Kelly and she gone. She <laughs> but go. when you say it, it's like, well, of course it's Vanessa. Like Duh. this is normal. <laughs> but I think that's why we have to have fun with this stuff, right? Yeah. Because, you know, we're just not in a place where we can pr- quote unquote prove this stuff. So, right. and this has always been the way of yogic science is that there's things that you know, have been known for generations or millennia and practices that have been held. And then the scientific method takes one of these little things, one of these outcomes that they've experienced maybe from a yogic practice, and then they measure it and then they're able to prove it. And they're like, holy shit, saying Wahe Guru actually changes like the gray matter in your brain. Who knew? (laughs) But it just, you know, we always have to just take this stuff with a grain of salt because we're not at the place yet where we can prove it in the way that, you know, a lot of people like to, to really feel solid about saying something like, Oh, make sure you have your mantra boxes in Mm -hmm. all four corners of your house. Yeah. (laughs) You know, something that comes forward for me as we're talking about this is just the, the path and the process to finding ourselves and to allowing ourselves to be revealed to us rather than Mm -hmm. forcing it and making it happen. And quote unquote, doing the work and being in that masculine doing all the time. And you've been doing this. I mean, you said you were trained in Reiki at 16 years old. I mean, you've been at this for a lot longer than me. I just came into this like three years ago. And 
it's a process and there is always this uncovering and this discovering and this new aha moment. And then it leads you into the next thing. And then there's another level of trust you go into. And I, in the time that I've known you and Adam, I mean, you, you guys are such a beautiful example of what's possible when you really just, you know, hold your light and trust yourselves, trust the universe and align with whatever is in integrity for you and whatever is calling you. And I think something that gets us all caught up is we think, well, why am I not there yet? Why mm-hmm. can't I hit this level or whatever the hell level of wokeness we're all trying to get to? <laughs> and I would just love for you to speak to that process and the way you have dipped into so many modalities and gone down so many different paths to lead you to this moment all on purpose and in divine timing. But what does that look like? Yeah, well, I think something really important that's come through to me in the last couple of years is that we are so obsessed with doing the work and finding out every single little thing that's wrong with us, um, finding every little memory of disappointment or damage or, um, you know, really finding all of our wounds. And just, it's like, we're, we're almost obsessed with continually finding this stuff in ourselves. And I'm not saying that that work isn't important and can't be very powerful, but at some point, I really think it's important to transcend that and to get more into just like I'm talking about this auric field, how much power you can hold energetically. Because if you're constantly going you know, I feel pretty good today. You know, I did my yoga practice and I ate really well, but I think I'm going to pull up that really terrible memory that happened to me again when I was 10 and I'm going to let it, I'm going to project it into my consciousness and let it take over my auric field and let that now become the imprint of who I am today. It's like, we're, we're almost a little obsessed as a culture with doing that. And it's like, yes, look at the wound, love it, care for it, do whatever process you need to do. But at some point we have to say, okay, you don't get to keep projecting your energetic body into my right now, because right now I'm holding a completely different imprint in myself. And yes, I love you 10 year old little, little girl who had that experience, but now I'm 42 year old Vanessa, who's a powerful woman who wants to project something different. And that piece of me doesn't need to have such a big say in my energetic body. Mm. Does that, do you get what I'm saying? Yes. And it reminds me, I just was thinking, I'm like, fuck, I need to get you and Priya and Katie Calder together ASAP. So <laughs> Priya Lockie and Katie Calder are two of my best friends. And I can't believe I have not thought to put the three of you together in any capacity. I don't care. Y'all can just like <laughs> sit on Zoom and not talk. Right. Um, <laughs> but Priya, um, is like a master healer, hypnosis, all the things. She's just so incredible. Anyways, something that she has been talking about a lot that she has realized over the last year or so is that we don't have to sit in our stuff to process it. We don't have to go back and relive it and be in it. And when when she's like, we're just like re-traumatizing ourselves And taking ourselves back to a thing when we're not living in it now. So why are we going back to that? And why do we feel this need to find the answers and the core wounds? And, and that's, that's hard for me because that's so much of what I have been doing. But at the same point, I get it because I realize that yes, we can go do ayahuasca or sit with mushrooms and cry it out and throw it up and do all the things that we get to do. 
But then we get to go live our lives and have fun and be playful and not keep torturing ourselves by taking ourselves back to that shit. It's how can we create that new energy? And like you said, project it rather than just sitting in it and thinking, well, this is what I have to do now. Yes. Well, and we've been sort of, you know, encouraged and supported and we have all this agreement around, you know, constantly talking about our traumas and sharing them and then, you know, okay, and now I went through this and then we trauma bond, if you will, about it. And it's, all, it's, it's great. You know, there's someone explained it to me this way. And I think this is, gives it a lot of validity is that it's a pressure release when you're holding all of that stuff and it's pressurized in your energetic field, it does relieve the pressure to get it out, to say it, to say, okay, this happened, let it be seen. It's like, okay, that, that almost took the top off of it. So it's not all so pressurized. But once the lid's off of it, we don't need to keep spewing it and keep illuminating it. We need to now turn to the light, turn to higher expression and divinity. And what are we going to do with all of those experiences that divinely led us to who we are today and now project something even more powerful? And so I just I think that we're at a really cool crossroads where collectively we all decided we need to get our traumas out. We need to sort of get all this stuff out from under the covers, but it's out. And now what? Now there's this next opportunity for us to say, okay, what are we going to do with it all? And what did it mean? Not, instead of just constantly redigging up the wound and, you know, sort of recatalyzing the thing, it's time for us to say, okay, now what did that help me create in myself so that I can project something higher and more meaningful into this world? Mm-hmm. I had I came out publicly about sexual assault that happened when I was uh, working in television and people kept wanting to ask me about it after. And I remember I was on a hike with this healer that I had worked with in L.A. And I just turned to him one day and I said, I don't think I'm meant to talk about this. And he was like, you're not being called to be the poster child of sexual assault. Yes. Like that is not your vibration. Yes. You are being called for something much different because I I wasn't identifying with my experience anymore, but I kept going back and trying to talk about it to because I felt like, well, I'm supposed to help people now because I've been public about this and a whole thing. And but it just wasn't resonating with me. And he was like, because that's not what you're meant to be doing. You're not meant to go back to this experience and relive it over and over. You already did it. It was traumatic. It sucked. And then you moved on and it's no longer who you are and you're not connected to it. And I, I just thought of that as you were talking. That's such a concrete example for me of the way, yeah, some bad things happened and it did not feel good. And I was in therapy and I did the processing and then I let it go and it no longer had this hold on me. And I didn't, even if I talk about it now, like talking about it with you, I have no emotional response to it. It's just like, oh, a thing. Yeah. It's like when we can allow ourselves to let it go and no longer have that power over us, what the fuck else is possible? Totally. And I think it's so important people hear this because I think that exactly like what you said happens to us is that once we come out of the bag with this thing, then all of a sudden we feel like we have to keep holding it for everybody so that everybody else who related to us or identified with that and wants to talk about it and regurgitate it and have their own experience around it, we feel responsible to them, right? Well, like, oh, I let the cat out of the bag. Now I have to hold on to this for everybody. And that's, it's so important for them to hear an example like that. You don't have to hold it for everybody. It's over. It's done. 
like it has nothing to do with your energetic body now. So let's move on. Mm -hmm. I mean, now we're here and you've got this beautiful sun and moon and stars and Kelly sign behind you. And it's just like, this is what you're glowing. This is who you are. All of that stuff before now, it it doesn't have to have input unless you want it to. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I was facilitating circle the other night and one of the girls just kept going back to like telling this shitty story about herself. Mm -hmm. And I finally said, why do you like to tell this sad story? And there is such an attachment to that identity of, well, I'm the sick girl. I've been the sick girl forever. And if I don't tell this story, well, oh my God, who am I? Yep. And that's, I've been there. I was the sick girl and I love to perpetuate that story of, oh God, look at me. I can't eat anything and I can't do this and I can't see and I can't go to work and do that. And oh, look at me. And that's how I got attention and validation. And I knew that if I let that go, oh no, what is that going to mean? How are people going to view me? I'm not going to have this excuse anymore. What if I don't get this attention? And it's like, if you just blow that all up and let go of that identity, you get to create what you want. You are no longer being the victim of this thing. Amen, sister. Amen. And, and here's the thing is that what people are actually most terrified of is being 100% responsible for their reality. That is what we're actually most terrified of. So all this stuff that we put in our energetic field is because if we cleared it all out, then it would just be us and we'd have to take ownership for it all. And as scary as it is, as intimidating as it is, it is the coolest thing ever. And this is your divine right to create your life and to be the beacon of whatever you want to be in the world. And even though it's scary and even though it can be tough to break through that sort of, you know, psychic jailhouse that you have in your around you around this stuff, once you break out of it, once you have that freedom, you'll never want to go back. Mm, yes. Yes. I love this. So we talked about you doing a reading on the show so everyone could get a feeling for what the Akashic records are like. So what are you feeling called to right now? Yeah. You know, I think I'm going to just open the records of, um, so one of the things is you, you cannot open the records of someone and go in their records and find out something without their permission, right? Like there has to be permission, but you can go sort of in the energetic imprint of the collective and, um, you know, ask for whatever wants to come forward to come forward. So I'm actually going to open the records of kind of the collective consciousness of this conversation and just see what comes forward. Um, and what I find is that usually there'll just be a little information or a little zing. Um, there'll be something that maybe happens in one of your chakras um, that just is for you in this moment. And even though uh, we're recording this now and we don't necessarily know who will be listening. The Kashuk field does. And that's, what's cool about that. <laughs> I love this. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah. So I'm going to, the way that I open it is with a little prayer and um, yeah, we'll just start here. And then one of the things I want to do, if I can find my little toy here, when I begin a reading, I chime this little bell three times and this helps to kind of align all of our energetic imprints together. So 
for you, Kelly, and for me and whoever's listening, I'm going to chime my little bell three times. And I just want you to project your energy into it from your third eye. And so all of us that are in this conversation right now will kind of sync up collectively in this moment. Even the bell is magical. (laughs) It is. It's so good. (laughs) So good. Okay. From the north, south, east, and west, as above, as below, may all angels, guides, seers, and the great spirit guide us in this journey. May our hearts be received and our visions be guided in light and love. May the deepest wisdom come forth for this group in this moment. And may we be held and supported by the ancients of all creation. The records are open with the greatest integrity to serve all humankind. All is held in a stream of light and love. All is guided. All is protected. The records are now open. You are love. So the first thing I like to do is just close my eyes and see what comes forward, what energy comes forward. And the first thing that came forward for me was a big wave and the wave felt like a washing of energy. And so in this moment, we're all actually being offered an opportunity to clear, to clear out any old energetic imprinting that doesn't serve us. And so If you can, if you're not driving and you're in a safe place to do this, I actually want you to close your eyes and I want you to take your attention to your heart chakra. There is stored information and there's some imprinting in there that no longer belongs. And if you just turn your attention to it, you'll notice it there sitting. And you've been wanting to let it go for some time now, but, but it's just so scary. It's so scary to let this go. So I'm just going to give you an opportunity right now to just turn into that energy, turn into that imprint that's sitting there. And I want you to allow the ocean energy, the beautiful imprint of mother ocean that caring feminine divine body to just gently wash away this old imprint this old energetic field that no longer belongs there the ocean has such a divine specific ability to cleanse and clear and she's being called forth in this moment for this group to just gently clean away, to powerfully dismiss and surrender this old imprinting that no longer belongs there in the heart. And there's going to be some of you right now that this is actually going to start to bring tears into your eyes. You're going to actually start to feel a little bit of the water seeping out through the physical body. 
And just know that that's part of this washing. It's part of this cleansing. There's a few of you out there actually who've recently lost people um, in their physical form. And even some of you who've lost animal spirits. Um, And so there's some grief that's in this washing and in this clearing. And I want you to just allow that to come forward. I want you to allow that to just process out right now. Beautiful. Deep breaths. Just surrendering into the energy of the ocean, the cleaning and clearing. Beautiful. This particular water element's coming in strong for this group right now. And it's just important that we honor all the elements. We honor how much service and how much compassion they hold for us and how supportive they are to us in our life experience. And so I want to just turn to honoring the element of water and just honoring that deep affection you have for it that deep relationship that you're in with it and just noticing how intrinsically embedded it is into your the very fabric of who you are just being in deep acknowledgement and love of the element of this perfect beautiful cleansing divine water energy awesome um you know so the next thing that's coming up for me and this is actually it's really interesting this comes up um this is for my wine drinkers out there (laughs) um just to take another look at your relationship specifically with that with wine um and this energy of wine is an interesting one because it comes into our life and it we we have a lot of uh joy kind of frequency around it because it's a celebratory sort of frequency but it's something that modulates us down and so those of you who are trying to modulate up um, I want you to just look at your relationship with that particular thing with, with wine specifically is coming forward. So some of you, this is going to resonate with, um, and just know that when you're trying to turn the dial up, that sometimes that wine turns the dial down and that's all that's there. There's no judgment. There's no, um, there's nothing around right, wrong. It's just up, down. So choosing which direction you're trying to go, because right now, um, sometimes we are trying to choose going up, but actually modulation of that particular thing is pulling back backwards the other way. So that's going to be for a few of you out there. Um, And I've got a couple of people who've recently lost pets. Definitely a kitty cat out there. I'm feeling that one come through. This actually one particular kitty cat, the strongest. So I'm going to go with that and just say that um, 
whoever this is who's lost this cat, just know that this cat is in the great beyond. It's all perfect. It's all beautiful. And the life you shared together was everything. It was all that was meant to be. But we have to let these, these divine creatures go into their next incarnation. And they fulfilled on their soul contract with us. They got us to where we're meant to go. And now it's time for you to do the next phase in a different frequency. And it's time for them to do it in a different frequency as well. So whoever that's for, just know that that all of that is perfect. And all of that was exactly as it's meant to be. Um, Let me just see if there's anything else that wants to come forward. You know, I love to have, there's a lot, a lot of babies out there, but we're not going to go there. <laughs> there's too many. <laughs> um, yeah. So the main thing that I want to leave this group with is. That your soul. Was being called to this moment for a reason. You showed up, showed up to listen to this podcast. You showed up to get this energetic imprint into your auric field for a reason. And just know that right now there is such a cosmic um, wave of healing and love and devotion to you and your soul's journey. And just fully receive that right now. Fully receive that it's no accident that you're here. It's no accident that your ears are hearing the frequency and the vibratory expression of these words. And allow yourself the gift of being held in this moment, being held in the perfection of who you are and surrendering all that is no longer serving you. Um, Kelly, do you want to ask any questions? <sighs> While I'm still in, in the Akashic field? For myself? Just anything that comes forth. Um, it might not even be for you. It might actually be more collectively. Putting me on the spot on my own damn show. Um. <laughs> Which is good though, you know, because actually it's good for us, for you to just hold into the, the energy of it for a moment and let it come through for you divinely. Cause right now the, problem you're having is that you Kelly are trying to pull it Mm -hmm. through allow it to come through the crown chakra and allow it to come through and from a divine place I keep getting feelings around location it's almost like where we meant to be or Mm -hmm. how do we move forward Yeah. Okay. (laughs) How we move forward is one step at a time, right? So this is so perfect because oftentimes when we think about our life and we think about our purpose and we think about our destination, sometimes we lift out of our body and we get so far out there that we forget to be connected to this moment. And so the way that we get anywhere is by being here right now, completely. And so if you find yourself, especially, and this is actually, this is really good that you asked this, because this is going to be important for some of you. If you find yourself um, almost getting into a car accident, you find yourself um, 
being in your car and then looking up 20 minutes later and not even remembering the drive. If you uh, are constantly, you know, fumbling with things or tripping and falling, just know that that's the universe saying to you that you're not completely in your body. and You're not completely present in the present moment. So those are signs from the universe that you've got to pull back into now. You've got to pull back into connection to yourself, connection to your body. And remember that all of everything that we're going to get to, we're going to get there. But if we don't remember the now, if we're not completely connected to the now, then none of it matters. We're always living in some projected reality that isn't now, that isn't real. And so don't forget to live in your real footprints. Don't forget to live in your real embodiment because that's really where the sweet stuff is. So if you're thinking about how you're moving forward, instead, just think about where you are right now. Let me just see if there's anything else. Uh, the last thing I just want to say is just be careful of what you're listening to. Um, every sound that comes into your ear has a vibratory field. And just like we were talking about wine before, it's either up modulating or down modulating. So be careful what you're listening to, whether it's the, the words of the people you're listening to or the music you're listening to. Every single thing that goes in has its own frequency. And that can make a huge, huge shift in your vibratory field. So just keep that one for, for as you're moving forward. What am I listening to? It's, it's so, so important to your growth and your sovereignty. Whew, okay, cool. That feels I'm going to close. Important. Anything else, babe, or I'm going to close? No, I think that's great. Okay. I give thanks to the North, South, East, and West, all the elements, tattavas, the great spirit, angels, and guides guiding all with the hands of creation and love. May we be blessed and loved. May this reading close with the highest integrity to continue to serve and heal, and may all be held in a stream of light consciousness. Aho, the records are now closed. Thank you so much. Mm, thank you. I'm excited to hear what the girls say about when they hear this. You know, and, and what's cool about it is that all of us just got a little healing because yeah. when you're in the records, you get a little vibratory upgrade. So just by being in that field and in the frequency of it, we all just got a little healing. Thank you, Vanessa. Mm. So for anyone who wants to join for any of the trainings, March, April, May, and then a in-person summer solstice in June. I yes. will link in the show notes um, yep. so that everyone can sign up for that. I'm not sure which I'm doing, but I will definitely be doing one of these trainings in the next few months. <laughs> I'm very excited. So if you want to join me in that, yay. Um, but you are so fantastic. And I'm so happy that you are teaching the teachers. This is so, Aww. so perfect for you. Thanks, love. I appreciate you. I appreciate your, your big, beautiful, beautiful vibration, just filling the compass of my universe it's just such a great gift to have women like you and also you know the fact that like you are really setting the tone for so many minds to go into this higher frequency in this higher dimension we really can't 
um, take that for granted, the people who are leading the way. And I just think that it's so beautiful and it's such a gift to all of us that you've stepped into that so powerfully. So thank you. Love you. I love you. Thank you so much for listening to The Kelly Show. If you would like even more exclusive content, conversations with me, the ability to connect with women in a really sacred space to continue to challenge yourself, to create space for yourself and come back home to your truth and your knowing. I would love, love, love to have you inside the Onyx, the incredible space that I created for women like you who want more and who are ready to lean in to all of it. You can go to patreon.com slash the Kelly show. The link is in the show notes and I cannot wait to see you in there and hold that space for your growth. See you soon.